This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of January 15th, 2022. Craft breweries must go. Bargain prices. Coming soon, the Barrel Age 1050, now with taurine and lime. Just in time for dry January, alcohol, free alcohol. But also, alcohol-infused fresca? All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, a show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's get straight into the news. Yes. Uh, so, owners shed St. Archer Uinta amid impatience with slow craft market. Uh, As if the pedals weren't already falling off the, the craft rose. Yeah. COVID hit like a Mack truck. Yeah. So, uh, January 10th, two major craft beer brands announced ownership changes. So Salt Lake City's Uinta Brewing, which we've discussed on the show before, has we've been, been to. Huh? We've been we've to. Been th- we've been yeah. there, yes. We had a um, show meetup at their tap room. Yes. Uh, has been purchased by a joint venture that combines importer slash sales and marketing company U.S. Beverage with Colorado-based private investment firm FC Crestone. It's weird that investment firm is a football club, too, but, you know, <laughs> you do what you got to do. You know, whatever. Uh, Molson Coors Beverage Company announced it will sell two brick-and-mortar locations that formerly housed San Diego's St. Archer Brewing to Ballast Point owners, Kings and Convicts Brewing Company, which says it will keep current staff and designate the uh, Miramar, California facility as the new operating headquarters for Kings and Convicts. I don't know why I thought that was my MR for a minute, but... I I did too, and I was like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, yeah, so both moves are evidence of the increasingly challenging landscape for regional and national craft beer brands and could be harbingers of what's at stake for the category as consumer preferences reshape the beverage alcohol space. So I want to go ahead and give Casey another pat on the back for calling this one out. What was Predictions, that? Yeah. Three years ago? That way before COVID. Way before COVID, Casey was like, "Look, the spe- with the way things are going, like these regional brands are really gonna have trouble, mm-hmm. in, like maintaining or continuing growth." There's yeah, there's not gonna be uh, there's not a mid market anymore. It's a, uh, it's the, yeah, it's you big or you 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 very small. You're either yeah. national or you're local, and that's it. Like there's the no local in watering between. hole at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, yeah. The, so the next thing, just like the. First sentence here was like, um, Uinta had been plagued by what Brewbound referred to as, quote, a wide but shallow market for its beer. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of on point. That's fair. Like they had, they put out stuff all over the place. Because like when I was looking for, for uh, 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 a, a beer for our main show episode, I was like, oh, Uinta's got something in that style. That's not going to be out here. 
No, they used to be distroed around here pretty heavily. Yeah. But it was all kind of the same. It was all their Hopnosh, I think it's their IP. Like Hopnosh and Black Butte Porter. Yeah. Mm. Or no, not not Black Butte. That's Deschutes. Uh, oh, that's Deschutes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, they, they do do a Porter one. of some kind, but I can't a, think of what it Their Black Sheep, Black IPA. That was mm-hmm. the one that was everywhere. Yeah. And th- that was like it. And then it all vanished. And I, I just remember we went to the tap room. the place before. But, but yeah. there's no, they didn't have, nothing was stellar. Nothing sticks out in your mind. You're not, yeah. you're not like, oh, I had this and that was great. Like when we were at the tap room, it was all bottles. We drink a lot. <laughs> just killing the memory is what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> you're fine. What was I talking about? <laughs> um, I also think think it's interesting that the other bit, um, so this, the second company <laughs> change, Molson Coors, it says, will also discontinue production of St. Archer beer effective immediately. Uh, yeah. That will retain ownership of the St. Archer brand. So that's interesting. Oh, no, follow that up with, I mean, they, they sold the... The space. I mean, I guess that was the lead-in. Yeah. But then got rid. So Saint Archer's just done. It's gone. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, we hold the rights. We could bring it back later, like the branding later, if we wanted. But Saint Archer, keep like Molson Coors is just like, nah, done with this brand. It seems like too much work to try to keep something else up. Let's just just get rid of it. Yeah. Which we're gonna. I I feel like thinking about that. Like we're gonna see a lot more of that. Yeah, but that's just a brand. Like so, on social media, watching like conversations about this, that was everyone up in arms, being like, "Why would you destroy Saint Archer? Like that brand carried cred. Like it, it, it had its own thing going on, much better than any other craft in Molson Coors's portfolio. Why would you not shutter something else and throw it away? I don't know. It's just it's weird." Yeah, well, it's <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't get rid of something else, but I guess there must be something sales charts wise where it's like someone else does marginally better than them, and they're like, eh, gotta get rid of something. Uh, yeah, but it's it's unfortunate, but like it, we all kind of saw things coming for for. <laughs> it's just it's up in the air. Who's who's it going to be next at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think outside of like super regional, uh, places, it's going to be a lot harder to find, uh, craft anymore, but by, by a lot of our, our definitions, a lot of quotes uh, around the craft term. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to keep adjusting for, for Sam Adams, but that's about the only one that <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they actually didn't anymore, but they've not readjusted or anything like everyone's just like, whatever. <laughs> Just just make beer and hope for the best. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, sales, I guess in this case purchases, the other half of it. Speaking of uh, regional breweries that have been bought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the big transactions continue to roll in. Uh, uh, third big beer announcement this week. Uh this morning, or morning of writing this, which was uh, the 13th, uh, Monster Beverage Corp. announced it has entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Canarchy, Can- uh, Canarchy Craft Brewing Collective, LLC. Uh, 
a craft beer and hard seltzer lineup for $330 million in cash. Wow. Just opened up that briefcase, slid it across the table, and they went, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's enough. I mean, it's not a small amount of money. It's not a billion dollars, but it's still not a small amount, you know. It's not, it's not a, a ballast, ballast point. point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it's more than a ballast point. <laughs> but they're getting four breweries? But yeah. They're getting Cigar City, uh, which means El Coco will be owned by, well, yeah. El Coco doesn't get made, but. Hunapa. Uh, yeah, the Highlight IPA and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oscar Blues. Which is. So that's <laughs> that's that's a that's a deal. Yeah. Uh, deal is in it's a big deal. I don't know necessarily about how well they sell to make it a because, financial deal, but I mean that's uh, that's leaving it like on par with like craft originators, like the current mm-hmm. craft beer movement. How many how many are left? It's like Sierra Nevada. That's it. Yeah. Bells is gone. <laughs> like yeah. Do you count Dogfish as gone because we're with Sam Adams? I don't count them as gone. Yeah, uh, I count them as gone. Really? Like I, I don't count them in the same spirit as like you know Sierra Nevada and how not, I counted Oscar Blues. You they know, didn't still. get sold to like yeah, a certain I, name of yeah, or, but I have this idea really in my head there. that you have uh, Cook and Calgione now, just like they're out on a yacht occasionally on weekends, like spitballing ideas. I like no, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I I just imagine that Calgione just took the money and run. Like he's technically works there, but like uh, you know, I imagine they're just like he just has a constant sign out. It just says "Gone Fishing." Uh, uh, Deep Ellum. Uh, they also got that with Perrin. Perrin's a big deal. Yeah, Perrin's Perrin's pretty big. I was like, that's that's not a you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, squatters, uh, oh. Wasatch. That's oh, yeah, yeah. Squatters that's and Wasatch. Too. So, what the hell just happened? Utah to Utah just sold. Yeah. <laughs> Salt Lake just sold. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> oh, they whatever. had that much to begin with. <laughs> uh, transaction does not include Canarchy's standalone restaurants. I didn't know they had those. So yeah, okay. Because uh, they were building the one in um, Asheville mm. last time we were there. Well, we'll not get that now. Um, Transaction is expected to close in the first calendar quarter of 2022 uh, and is – oh, that is this year uh, – and is subject to customary closing conditions, uh, including regulatory approvals. Uh, Monster's organizational structure for its existing uh, energy beverage business will remain unchanged. Shock. Uh Kenarchy will function independently, retaining its own organizational structure and team, led by Tony Short. Uh uh, Monsters Vice Chairman says the transaction provides us a springboard for which to enter the alcohol beverage sector because we're waiting to you know tweak those four loco laws. Sorry, that's me adding on there. Uh, uh, the acquisition will provide us a fully in place infrastructure, including people, distribution, licenses, along with alcohol beverage uh, development expertise, manufacturing capabilities in this industry. I, th- uh, I think that's the key behind all this. They didn't want those brands. They didn't want anything to do with beer. They, they just need something quickest. about that big to get into seltzers. They wanted a quick way with licensing in to the space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the the seltzers and the RTDs, and that's the, all they they wanted to not have to jump through any of the hoops. They're like, we can just buy something that's already on the other side of the hoops. Yeah, and that's when you're going to get your 
to Infinity with Taurine and Taurine and Lime. Um, I'm, You're gonna kill me if that actually happens. I'm yes, I will because I already told you in our private chat that uh, if it actually happens, get ready New Year's Eve 2023 because we will chug them live on stream uh, if this comes to fruition. I will die. <laughs> like this is. It won't be the first all. New Year's I've died. It won't be the last. <laughs> so yeah, I, but really, if they don't touch the 1050, I'll be fine. Like, because overall, I I really doubt we'll see a big change with any, because Oscar Blues is kind of the only brand in the portfolio that I really give a crap about. And really, the only one of their beers I give a crap about is Barrel Age 1050. Yeah. I like Highlight, although I don't I don't get it all that often. Actually, but so, Cigar City, every, like, out of all their beer- brands, every beer they do is above board. Like, it's... Yeah. It's above par. Every, like, if you go to any, like random Applebee's or something and glance over the beer menu and you're like, oh, they go Cigar City. Whatever it is, you could just go, I'll take that and you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's going to... Uh, that one, I think, kind of always... They, they, I don't think they've done a bad beer I've had. So... Yeah. Uh, and Huna uh, is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, I, 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 until we were reading through that, I was like, oh, right, they're getting, they're getting parent too. That's... Yeah. Okay. So yeah, when you say parent, that's it's like okay. So no, yeah, they are okay. All right. Well, um, into more depressing news. And yeah, say in in more depressing news. Uh, how's dry January going? Dry January just ruining alcohol for the world. Uh, so <laughs> Stella Rosa, known for its semi-sweet, semi-sparkling wines, has announced a non-alcoholic line will be hitting shelves across the U.S. this week. That's Last week, uh, owned by LA-based Riboli Family Wines, uh, the Italian wines brand, and I butchered that. I know. Uh, venture into non-alcoholic wine is sure to send ripples throughout the industry. Stella Rosa was the second best-selling imported wine in the U.S. in 2020. Shocking. Hmm. Uh, Stella it Rosa was first was. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I'm I'm for, just for I'm, I'm researching. <laughs> Stella Rosa is always looking for innovative ways uh, to give our customers the products they want, and Stella Rosa non-alcoholics, uh, non-alcoholics, that's what they're calling it, Stella Rosa non-alcoholics, brings our delicious, sorry, that just feels like bad verbiage, uh, brings our delicious flavors to the non-alcoholic category. And, and this is, as I titled it in our internal, <laughs> isn't it just flavored grape juice at this point? Uh, I mean, the owner, yeah. The owner and president of the Riboli family wines said in a press release, we are excited to share our beverages with those who are looking for an alternative option and can't get to the Welches. The line will, <laughs> this line, the line will start with four variations similar to some of the brand's most popular flavors. Black with notes of black <laughs> fruits. Red, a red fruit and plum variation. Rosé with notes of strawberries and rose petals, and yeah. peach. Peach, we assume, which we assume you know, will ideally taste like a peach. That's no, peach tastes like ass. Now my my immediate thought here was, uh, oh, peach fago, gotcha. Mm. I think of peach, and uh, I actually think of abita, because I'm like, oh my god, you know how to do peach well? That's for sure, because I don't like peach, and I actually like that beer. 
I like actual like well okay I won't say actual I like uh, 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 I was trained to like uh, uh, canned peaches as a child oh, well yeah from yeah. from uh, school lunches as they would just yeah. dump out the peaches on there all right this is mostly sugar uh, yellowtail by the way oh number yeah, one. Right. I okay. I, I said Shiraz, and I'm, I was like, "That's not that's a style." And I, I meant to say Yellowtail because when I think of Yellowtail, I <laughs> yeah. think of Shiraz. <laughs> I immediately think stopped. Jason and saw it. I was like, "What? What did I see my parents always getting growing up?" And it was always Yellowtail. Uh, Stella Rosa is also advertising that this new line has thirty percent less calories, yeah, than its high octane counterparts. Buyers beware. Yeah, but. Octane's good for you. While the floral and gold lacquered bottles may seem promising, they don't have the same oomph as the originals. Each bottle is priced at $11 and can be found in stores nationwide. But again... Nationwide is against all this. (laughs) Everyone should be against all of it, and everyone should also be against uh, alcohol-free whiskey. Look, at that point... You're a monster. You've At that you've point, done. Is it whiskey? There's a line. I, I will allow alcohol-free beer. I'll allow your your you know a lot of things. This is a bridge too far. Mm. Well, this January cult favorite Vermont whiskey brand Whistlepig has added a new limited edition bottle to its lineup: the Piggyback Whistle. Devil Slide Rye Non Whiskey. Whistle pick, you were the chosen one. That doesn't even make sense. A zero proof rye aged for six years before its alcohol is removed. I'm gonna be on the high ground while Whistle Pig tries to jump over me and I have a lightsaber. <laughs> this is Whistle Pig's first foray into the non alcoholic spirit space. According to Whistle Pig, all proceeds for the Devil's Slide will be donated to the U.S. Bartenders Guild. Uh, an organization that has been channeling donations for the restaurant industry since the start of COVID. All right. That's cool, but... That's nice, but did you have to do it with your worst product? Yeah, do we do we buy this and then go throw them in the street? In I would rather I would rather directly give them money than go through this rigmarole. Yeah. I, I would... I don't know. I'm, we're going to talk about it more uh, main show next time because uh, we're doing our own kind of dry January episode. But at this, and I, I, so I have nothing against dry January. I have nothing against mocktails. I have nothing against like, you know, some people have genuine problems with alcohol. I get Mm -hmm. it. I I get it. it, it, We make jokes, but. Well, no, I'm just saying like, it's, it's the stuff that like, let's take this thing that's literally made because alcohol is in it. Like you, it doesn't get to that point without alcohol generally, (laughs) like the whiskey or the wine. And then remove the like that's the thing that bothers me. And it's like, okay, the the mic the mocktails is like this was just never this is just a drink that happens to not have the alcohol component. That's fine. Brittany, I need I need a sounder at all times when we do episode when we do stories like this of Scotty talking about Synthahol in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, that's that actually, yeah, pretty much where this is. It is a limited run. They said, well, it's a limited run. It is available for purchase on the Whistlepig website, priced at $50. Whistlepig says it should be available through dry January. Cheekily, the shop listing is followed by the foolproof piggyback with the title, The Real Deal, for February. For February. So I guess you're just, like, paying for the labor it took to remove the alcohol? I mean... Because that's all I can figure. 
you know, uh, Brittany, where did that alcohol go? <laughs> I, like, I don't know what the process is for that. <laughs> no, I, I know where it went, and you do too. It went into Fresca. I like Yeah, Fresca. because the world's upside down, you know. <laughs> That's where we're at. Um, Up is down, black is white, <laughs> cats and dogs living together. Whiskey has Fresca no with alcohol. Whiskey has no alcohol. Fresca has it all now. Who knows? Yeah, so Coca-Cola's brand, Fresca, uh, which Coca-Cola's is just Fresca? a soda. <laughs> uh, this is... Um, God, I just... <laughs> so it's making a, a new product by Coca-Cola and Constellation Brands mm. called... Oh, Fre- I know. Called Fresca gla- Mixed. With glass. How much glass is in this? Yeah. Uh, the Soda Giant made a deal with Constellation Brands to introduce a line of spirits-based canned cocktails this year under its Fresca brand. Constellation said this on Thursday, which is which is like a week ago. So, uh, Fresca Mixed will start with cocktails inspired by recipes from people around the world who use Fresca as a mixer, uh, which will market and distribute the products. Uh, Constellation is going to market and distribute the products in the U.S., um, uh, in terms of the deal between Coca-Cola and Constellation, weren't disclosed, by the way. Uh, when you consider that more than 50% of F- Fresca's consumers already mix it with spirits, it seemed like a natural one for us, um, says the Constellation. Which yeah, Is the other 50% sense. my mother? <laughs> it's like Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the joke? Uh, it used to be Red Bull might as well be called Vodka Helper. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm just picturing a hamburger helper logo on on Red Bull now. Uh, yeah, um, and this just says like it, it gives me another example. So Coke last year introduced Topo Chico hard seltzer, uh, created in partnership with Molson Coors. So yes, this is not the first time just, we're hearing stuff. And then of course this year, uh, the plan for PepsiCo to roll out an alcoholic version of Mountain Dew in a partnership with Boston freaking beer. I, I read ahead and nearly flipped my desk over in frustration. And AB and Bev. Everybody's flipping crap at the walls, trying to cash in on oh. the movement. And Ho- yeah. Yeah. Hold on. AB and Bev uh, is introducing a line of Bud Light branded hard sodas. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I did. They are not right. teaming up to make the Mountain Dew with Boston beer. I, I almost like lost my mind. But yes, you're, you're correct. Yes. Okay. Good clarification. Some some portion of the world makes sense because I was just trying to think like there's no way. Th- that is a dogs there's... and cats living together. I could know. I could see that if you if you had seen Boston beers like their stock price yeah. lost all it it went from so when hard seltzers became a thing and they were like the first to the scene, well second to the scene, their stock went up tenfold, and when COVID <laughs> hit. It just, it's not it's not even what it was before that like it's just dropped to basically nothing. So I was gonna I, say once once the uh, once the numbers came back from uh, uh, like the first slowdown of seltzers, everyone just went. Oh well, I guess we're all done here. Yeah, everyone packed up and left that thing. So I could uh, I could honestly see them not selling out, but a partnership for some weird off thing like that. I could see it. Yeah, no, it makes sense honestly. Hmm. All right. Well, well uh, let's let's keep this positivity going. How about <laughs> it, guys? Uh, so and everything's looking bad. Everything's selling off. And uh, oh oh, what's this? 
The future of America's bourbon barrels could be in danger. Oh, joy. Joy. 2022. Could you not? America is reportedly using more white oak than it will be able to produce under current conditions. For generations, American white oak has been the go-to wood to make the barrels used for aging bourbon and other American whiskeys. But according to a new report with Intervention, American without white oak intervention. <laughs> well, without intervention, American white oak supplies could begin to significantly dwindle over the next decade. The White Oak Initiative, a diverse coalition of partners that includes members from the academic, government, and private sectors, was created to advocate for the long-term sustainability of American white oak. Understandably, among its many backers are a number of big spirits companies like Brown Foreman, Sazerac, and Beam Suntory, which White Oak plays such an important role in bourbon production, which is worth uh, $8.6 billion in Kentucky alone. Which is most of the money in Kentucky that's not involved in horses. It's not involved in horses or in Mitch McConnell's back pocket. Yeah. Beyond whiskey, the wood can also be used for wine and other spirits, as well as things like Furniture and flooring. I mean, it's all going to become scotch and rum barrels down the line eventually. Mm. I mean, uh, if if we have to give up a few chairs to make some more barrels, I'm fine with this. I'm fine too. The worry is that I'll, despite I'll stand more. <laughs> the worry is that despite currently growing in over a hundred million acres of forest, American white oak trees aren't regenerating quickly enough to keep up with the demand. It's valuable for a number of wildlife species. It's valuable for economic use and is a big part of forest component. Uh, it's Jeff's, time. Hmm? Oh, I was going to say, it's time to get to that Theodore Roosevelt level of conservation where it's, yes, save things so I may use them later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, must protect from... the bears so I can hunt them. These elk, we must protect them so I can privately hunt them. <laughs> Chair of the Department of Forestry and National Resources said that, and at the University of Kentucky and co-founder of the White Oak Initiative uh, said, according to the Kentucky Business Magazine, the Lane Report, uh, it's anchors. it anchors a lot of what is going on in our forests and resources we get off of it. Yeah. Uh, a recent assessment from the group found that 75% of all white oak acres could be classified as mature, which actually isn't ideal for growing new trees since they can st- uh, they can struggle under the shade of a canopy. As a result, 60% of these acres had no white oak seedlings, and about 87% had no white oak saplings. The White Oak Initiative said that without intervention, other tree varieties like beech and maple would thrive in these areas instead, further boxing out new oak trees. No. Death to all the maple trees. Well, that's why you that get are, some... That are, that are near my white oak trees. Just sounds like they've got some poor forest management going on in these groves. Yeah, this is like after you know, I've been in the Forest Service before, and you can very easily go in, not even annually, but biannually or something, and tag and you know space the trees out more. Like this is this is just poor management, poor resource. What's that? Management. Kentucky has some poor infrastructure issues. Oh, the devil you say. But what's different now? Tom Martin, who recently retired as the president and CEO of the American Forest Foundation, attempted to explain the situation in a 2019, two years ago, uh, due to the popularity of bourbon combined with ecological challenges and more the demand for white oak logs is outpacing the regeneration of 
we basically just summed all that up. <laughs> yeah. Or it's him sum, summing up the last couple paragraphs. So uh, things are bad for White Oak. And, I mean, what's this really going to do? It's just going to cause start causing a shortage in bourbon and spirits production. So they'll be... Crank up their price. Yeah, you're going to see the prices go up, bottles get a little harder to find. And, I mean, with bourbon, it's already batshit insane. So uh, it's just, it'll get too crazy, and you'll see a popularity shift. Yep. Hey, Scotch, you're uh, looking awfully, awfully inviting over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, well, I don't know how inviting it's looking, but there's something else over there. Uh, Troy Aikman launching a light beer brand. Eight. Uh, uh, ha- he's relevant, right? Uh, mm, maybe. That's a sports person, isn't it? Troy Aikman, historic Dallas Cowboys quarterback, is launching his own health-focused beer label out of Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, called Eight. The low-calorie light lager is the latest addition in the better-for-you beer trend uh, as more consumers become concerned with how their wellness uh, is tied to their drinking. Then don't drink beer. But when I think of celebrity (laughs) names that are going to sell a beverage, it's not Troy Aikman. I mean, if you're in Texas, deep in the heart of Texas, Uh, I bet you Troy Aikman can sell you some beer. A little, but that's... uh, You also stop and think, oh... What about Stone Cold's beer? How well is it selling? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the other trick. The beer has to be good. Oh, yeah. I don't know how Stone Cold's beer is. I haven't had it. I just mean, mean in general. It should also probably be good. Uh, the brand is collaboration not only for Aikman, but many big players in the beer industry. Uh, Doug Campbell, former president of Oma Gang Brewing. Uh Ruchi Desai, leader of uh, leader in business and operations in the finance world, and Jake Dooner, uh, an entrepreneur, strategist, and investor for dozens of high-profile startups. This is not encouraging. Uh, Aikman has served as the longest-tenured quarterback in the history of the Dallas Cowboys franchise, and currently works as a business mogul and sports broadcaster for Fox. Uh, the developer, uh, the project was developed in partnership with the Oregon State University Food Science Technology Department, involving two years of research to create a beer for those who put in the hard work. This is going to have been a giant waste of money on all sides. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, because- Aikman says, I've learned that I'm a better father, friend, and athlete when I'm eating and drinking well. I know a lot of people feel the same way. Being healthy is a balance between physical, mental, and emotional well-being. I use physical exercise to reduce my stress and support longevity and practice good nutrition and clean eating to maintain my lifestyle. When it comes to grabbing a beer, though, I found my options were limited. Where are they? But but they're not. Well, no, Texas. Uh, Texas Uh, has extremely strict import mm -hmm. uh, restrictions. Like, it's hard to get a beer that was not made in the state of Texas if you're in Texas. Okay. Uh, well, his flagship brew, Eight Elite Light Lager, uh, is made with organic grains and Hallertauer hops, which uh, are rich in antioxidants. Mm. Uh, and no additives or added sugars. The beer clocks in uh, in a longevity-friendly 90 calories and 2.6 grams of carbs. Uh, it will be available only in the Lone Star State to start, uh, launching through February in bars and restaurants on drafts, then moving to retail locations in March. And shuttering by April. 
Maybe August. <laughs> At least get through the summer. You know, people you're going to launch a, a Troy Aikman beer, and that's arguably how you're trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. Like, Troy Aikman, Dallas Cowboys, not during football season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they'll last till football season, but yeah. And uh, that's about it. Uh, so it's a topsy-turvy and slightly upsetting news week. That's uh, <laughs> welcome to 2022. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, things aren't looking good, folks. Let's, uh, <laughs> batten down the hatches. Get ready. Yeah. Well, uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news only show, but we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support, have a drink, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show. And we will see you again in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. And once again, I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>